Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Today, we're talking to Ben, and Ben had a lot to say. Ben, I'm excited for this, this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we actually always ask people, like, give us one to three sentences, and Ben's like, I can't condense it into one to three, and I love it. So I'm going to give a quick synopsis of kind of the chunks, right, that I took out. So it feels like there's some age stuff, right? Because you started with, I'm 63. That was your first sentence. Um, it sounds like a nine-year relationship with somebody that you really, really love just ended and you're working through and processing and kind of struggling with that. Um, also struggling with the realization very recently um, of all of these terms and things that we talk about, like everybody should know about them, right? Codependence and <laughs> attachment and all these other things, fear of abandonment. Hmm. Um, and so- We'll get into that a little bit, right? And then the rumination is coming up, which I would kind of put into the bucket of the processing of all of the stuff that's happening and the worrying of like, will I ever find anybody, right? Um, and does it get easier? It seems like that's the, mm. that's the last kind of big question is like, does this shit get easier? <laughs> well, I love that question. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, there's a lot happening and, and it does feel like it's all living and breathing together. Um, but what is, I guess, the most present for you right now? Why don't you, what, what about the relationship actually? Why don't we start there? So, cause it, that was kind of the first thing you said, it was like, I'm 63. I just ended this relationship or this relationship just ended. So what's present for you there? Yeah. So just a little backstory that might help do that. So I was married for a while and then got divorced and my girls were six and four at the time. So okay. I kind of raised them as a single dad. 
And so I didn't really have any relationships during them because I just devoted myself to raising them. Mm -hmm. And then when they got them to college, it's like, okay, it's my time now. Here we go. And I met this person at a, at a dinner party and she was beautiful and smart and had an awesome job and, and, uh, and then was kind of needed, said she sort of needed someone to help her experience life. And I'm like, I'm your guy. Like, welcome to my world. You know, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to be your knight in shining armor. And, um, and so, like, it started out, and it was the most awesome relationship that I could ever have imagined, you know, for, like, six months to a year. And then she started, like, pulling back, you know, and, and I wanted to be more connected, and she was pulling back. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Like, I was lone man on the totem pole, like, even under the mm-hmm. family dog. Like, what, why is this happening? I, I couldn't really understand it. Um, and then we, we, we kind of, we broke up a couple times and then I would go away and go, I need to figure out what's going on. I got to be a better person. And I would come up with a, you know, better communication techniques and we would get back together. And then, so in February, February, 2020 on, <laughs> on Valentine's day, she came over and said, Hey, uh, I don't want to be a couple anymore. I'm done. Okay. And and I, but she said, did say, but I still want to hang out with you. And I was like, I was just a mess. I didn't know what to do. It's just before lockdown, the pandemic and everything. And so we went into that and I'm like, I agreed to that because I'm like, I'll figure out a way to get her back. You know. Hmm. So we just started hanging out once in a while. And actually we became our best selves. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I fell in love all over again. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to tell her how I really feel in a way that I've never done it before, you know, from my heart, because I would be afraid to do that. So I did that. And I found out that she had been sleeping with someone else. And so soon, I'm like, so soon, like we just broke up not that long ago. What's going on? So I had to do the no contact thing and go figure out why, how I got to where I was and why, why I was doing what I was doing. And during that time, I learned about attachment styles. I'd mm-hmm. never heard about that before. And it was like the heavens opened up, like angels <laughs> are singing. I'm like, that's it. Like I'm the poster boy for anxious attachment. And she was the poster girl for avoidance. Mm-hmm. And we were doing that dance thing. And I'm like, whoa, I can work with that. That, that explains what was going on. So I got in contact with her and um, we talked about it and like we got connected for the first time ever. It's like, she's like, yeah, that's what happened. I'm like, that's what happened. We're talking about that. And like, we had the best day and the best evening and the best night like ever. She's like, yeah, I'm motivated. You know, I really want to learn about that stuff. And I'm like, damn, this is great. And then two days later, she, I saw her and she goes, you know what? I don't want to do the work. Um, I want to date other guys. I want to be with other guys, like pretty much on, on Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, you know, how does, how do you go from that to that? So yeah. short, you know, and I was just shredded. I just was lost. I was in the fog. I didn't know what to do. You know, so I just went, did the no contact thing and I started like doing the work. And yeah. that's when I learned about, like, I'd never heard about covert narcissism, which I mm-hmm. a little bit of, or toxic loneliness or intermittent re- reinforcement and codependency. I'm the poster boy for codependency all those all that stuff and and that's what kind of led me to you guys that's awesome so um so that's where i'm at that was like six months ago so here i you know the work is hard and um i just i'm haunted by the fact that i didn't know 
than what I know now. And I can't get out of my head like, oh, it might have been different if I had I known then than I know now. Like, did I waste 10 years of my life? Like, would, uh, so that's one of, would it have been different? You guys think? That's one of the things I just think about all the time. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Ben. My heart is just bursting open, you know? And I think it's so hard when we, come into the space of understanding all of these dynamics that have been playing out that I had no idea about, like, you know, the ways I was attempting to heal childhood wounds and um, the dance that myself and another person were playing, you know, and, you know, I think whenever um, we've been married and then, you know, we're a parent and we spend a long period of time just sort of focused in on raising our kids. I think there's this thing about like, we get back into the dating world and it feels a little like this next experience of falling in love just feels like, oh, this is like bigger than life and this is the moment and this is the person and our attachment stuff gets like so fired and so like I just feel you so much on that and we can explore this a little bit deeper but I always say I think all of it is perfect I think all of it is the exact bit of gathering information that I needed to bring me to this moment and the beautiful human that you are right now um who is going to have in his next love experience all of the wisdom that you have gathered in these last 10 years that you are like drinking in right now and oh my gosh like sky's the limit like watch out with what you will use this to um to bring to fruition and it also makes sense that you're in a place of rumination right Mm. it's like going back in time and replaying all the things we have to remind ourselves too that we're only 50% of any relationship. Absolutely. Right? So would it have been different? Well, maybe, but it would have only been different if the both of you guys were on the journey together and you were both doing your work and you were both coming to each other like, oh my God, attachment styles. Oh my God, codependency. Right? Like I've very rarely seen it work. It's not that it's impossible, but I've very rarely seen it work where one person is coming with all of these discoveries and self, you know, this idea of like self-learning and self-growth is just like blowing your mind. And the other person's not really there. And P.S., I think normally once we have this understanding and all of this information gathering that we're talking about, what we're attracted to ends up being different. Totally changes. Oh, yeah. Totally changes. And like how? I mean, your standards get higher. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) To to put it, but yeah, it kind of does. Like our, you know, our tolerance for BS just gets a lot lower. Our, you know, our sense of self and like what we insist upon for ourselves expands. And so it's a little bit like we're just clearer with our boundaries, with what we know we need, um, with what will and won't work for me. I just think we're a lot quicker to be like, yeah, this isn't going to be a great fit. Yeah. It doesn't take us a year to figure out what our needs are anymore. Right. Maybe this time it takes us like a week and that saves a lot of time on the back end. And so if you're in a partnership with somebody who's not there yet, or who isn't interested maybe in, in being there, you know, yeah, I think to Danae's point, it's like, we just have less tolerance for the BS. It's like, I need communication. I need somebody who's going to be willing to do this work with me. I need somebody who's not going to be like, oh my God, yes. And then allow their attachment stuff to trigger them and then disappear into their avoidance stuff two days later, right? Like you don't need that um, to grow into your next kind of level of self. Like actually what you need is somebody who's now going to challenge you. 
Mm-hmm. Somebody is going to either meet you here or even be a little bit up here. Um, <laughs> and it's going to challenge you to grow, right? And because you are the classic codependent, so it seems like that's what you've learned. You even more do not need somebody that you're going to be dragging along for the journey. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what you're saying. Because all you're doing is just acting out your patterns, if that's right. the case. Well, I I feel like I know I'm a hundred percent better than I was six months ago, but I'm not a hundred percent, but I kind of worry. I don't know what a hundred percent feels like. Welcome to the club. I mean, you let us know when you get there. I'll let you know when I get there. (laughs) When you figure it out, we'll all come back together and we'll reconvene. But I mean, yeah, I think that's part of this, this dance of life is like, we all look around at each other. Like, does somebody have the answer? Does somebody have this shit figured out? Like who's keeping the secret? And surprise no one has the answer no one the pope doesn't know right like i don't know you don't know my therapist doesn't know like i don't care what level you're on in your spiritual journey no one knows the answer yeah i mean i like to look at this as a life school then so i think you know if we look at this time here as like we came here to learn we came here to continue to evolve and grow and understand the lessons that we're supposed to get while we're here and alive then the work is never done. The lessons are never done and it's not pass or fail, right? It's not like I failed this last 10 years somehow because um, we didn't end up staying together after 10 years. I don't, I don't believe that that's true. I think that this person came into my life. It was all exactly the lessons that I needed to learn at this period of my life. And now I'm, I'm ready to evolve into the next step, right? I'm leveling up into the next phase of my life right and it's all exactly as it should be but you know to the point that Vanessa is making I don't I don't think we're ever done I think we think sometimes that life is linear we get to this point and like okay now I've arrived and now I'm, I'm good and yeah. there's nothing left for me to do and I think um, as long as we're breathing we're still growing and learning I, I like the spiritual nature of what you're talking about because I, I believe that so that way too the universe and all that and I've been getting this message of surrender like mm-hmm. just surrender like just become I don't know how to do that though. I've never been <laughs> that kind of person. I'm more of a type A, so I've just I've struggled with that. Um, I just yeah. want to fix it and get better and get to the next thing. So, and they, you know, the other thing, like I just struggle with, like how does somebody just jump out of a relationship right into another one so quickly? I, I mean, that's because isn't that the easiest thing? That's the easiest thing to do, Ben. Think about okay. it. That's actually that's that's the best way to not have to look at your shit. Oh, really? Because then I'm just in the feelings again. Like not for everybody, but for a lot of people, the jumping from one to the next is really, is a really good way to not have to look at what my part in something was or what did I learn or, you know, how can I grow or whatever? Um, Because those, those initial feelings are so fun, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's like legitimate, like you get into a new situation, there's a rush of dopamine, right? Like you're flooded with all of these feel good chemicals and, you know, think about it. The opposite option is after a relationship ends, you sit in all the discomfort and the anxiety and the The ruminating and all of the stuff. And that doesn't feel good. And most of us, right? So most of us will do whatever we need to do to not feel uncomfortable feelings. But unfortunately, our uncomfortable feelings are where our growth lies, right? Our uncomfortable feelings is where we 
understand and make different choices in the next relationship. And, you know, I'm going to say this, not in judgment of your ex, but it's just like what we do. We jump into the next thing without really taking the time to get the lesson. And we just keep repeating patterns, right? Um, We just, we aren't able to sort of ever build those healthy attachments or be in a relationship where we're able to stay present when things get hard, right? So I say that to say, just because she's moved on does not necessarily mean she's moved on to a dynamic where the same patterns won't be repeating. But again, that's sort of what I love to call her side of the street for you to worry about. Right. But, but that ends up being the truth of what happens. I think when we move on quickly, I find myself getting triggered sometimes now, not as, as uh, frequently or for as long as I was initially, but like, does that ever kind of go away or does, always a chance you're going to get triggered by something you know a song or Mm. you know a place you used to go or something you know well i think think you're it's like grief right yeah you're in grief yeah and and just like we know with grief like if you lost somebody it it can be the same in a breakup i think your relationship to the triggers change Mm. so right like i i'll i'll hear a song from my ex you know my last relationship that will still bring me back but now that bringing back does, is not laced with the same pain or resentment or anger or whatever it was. I'm still there, but I'm, I'm in a space of like compassion or of like sending this person love or like fondness for whatever the memory was that, you know, brings up. It, it just changes. So it's not that it goes away. It's just your relationship to it changes. I don't know. Does that make sense? That's true. You know, we, at the beginning, we talked about age. So I'll, I'll be 63 in July and, uh, you know, I feel like I'm 45, but realistically, but that, you know, that comes into play too, because like, in, in all honesty, I'm in the latter half part of my life. And so I'd like to have a, a good relationship to go out on, you know, or something. And uh, it's not that easy now because I, I'm finding, you know, when we're, we're in our thirties, we're kind of all the sort of the same, but mm-hmm. it, when you get to 60, there's some really old 60 year olds and some really yeah. young, like different kind of and so that makes, I think that makes getting out and meeting new people something just a whole nother thing. Um, I, I've just, I've done a little bit of the online thing. It's not really my thing. I don't really know how else to go about it in a pandemic, but it's not fun. You know, mm-hmm. not, not but uh, and if you have any suggestions in, in that, along those lines, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do have suggestions. <laughs> I, do. I sure do. You know, I I love to say, Ben, and I think especially for you, like as you're talking, I'm like, this guy's gonna be beating them off of the stick. Like, I'm not worried about you at all. Um, but what I think that you should do and focus on doing if you're dipping into the apps and it doesn't really feel organic and a good fit is just to really focus on building community, right? So the things that I love to do that I would do for myself, like whether that is, um, you know, different activities that are like, these are the things I love to do that I could do with other people. Feels like the world might be opening up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So like intramural activities or meetups types of things. Vanessa and I um, facilitate groups in something called the TAT lab. And we've been amazed, like how many love connections have been made in there. It's basically turned into a dating app because everyone's (laughs) there in these groups doing the same work on themselves. Right. And that's very attractive to some people, because like we've said, you level up. Right. And so there's this, there's this real desire to attach with other people who are doing the same work as you. And so things like that for sure can become a place where you might 
meet people, you know, even if it is virtual. Yeah. yeah. But I oh, think really? you, oh, you do it virtually. Mm-hmm. So you can hop in there for sure. But I think that um, you want to place yourself in spaces where you are, you know, more likely to be exposed to like-minded seekers, as I love to call them, like people who are attempting to do the same kind of work and inner exploration that we're hearing you so beautifully blossoming and being excited about doing, right? So you, you sort of like, I think, set the intention um, I'm really doing a lot of this work on myself and I just trust and know that the right lady who is also doing similar work is coming. You know, I love to sort of say like, I make the mantra, the intention. I can't wait. I can't wait for this person that's coming into my life because I know she's on her way. Um, But I'm just going to put myself into spaces where organically um, the universe will sort of work it out. And you're benefiting from it, right? Like even if you're doing it and like tomorrow you don't make a a love interest, it doesn't matter because you're still filled up by what you're doing. You're still, right, like invigorated by it. You're learning, you're growing. And so there's also a little bit less of like like a desperation type energy around it when you're doing these things anyway and you are enjoying them. And then somebody just kind of appears versus like that clinging desperate feeling, right? Of like, I'm doing this in order to meet somebody yeah yeah that doesn't feel good what you're saying now yeah it just doesn't feel good so no i like but i will say ben self-aware is the new sexy so i'm really <laughs> not worried because <laughs> men that are conscious and attempting to really know themselves and do the work and i say that sort of tongue-in-cheek but it's actually so real true. um are so attractive and so much more i think what what women are looking for, especially adult, you know, grown women who are like, you know, I, I'm not actually in need of someone to take care of me. You talked a little bit about your previous relationship and this like knight in shining armor. I think there are, there are other things that come along with that, right? Like nothing is without a cost. Nothing is without like its own challenges. And when I am in the role of saving someone, what that means on the other side of it is this is someone that needs to be saved. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think as you are leveling up yourself, what that means is that I'm leveling up in the type of woman that I'm going to attract as well. I guess I was so used to being like, I'm just used to being the rescuer thing. Mm-hmm. That's always been my thing. So that's what I've carried through my life. So I, I just have to keep that in mind. You know, I think, you know, like what advice do you have like going forward? Like, how do you check yourself? Old patterns. Old patterns, you know, or do you just know? I mean, I think it's like Vanessa was saying before, you keep doing the work, you keep exposing yourself to things that inspire you and, you know, dropping into these spaces and, you know, maybe that means therapy, maybe that means um, whatever, like, I mean, Vanessa and I are therapists and we still do our own work. We still are continuously checking our stuff, ourselves on the ways that we get activated or start to fall into old patterns. I think it's lifelong work, you know, and inevitably we will all start to Mm -hmm. fall back into those patterns and so when we do how do I check in how do I like have friends that are really honest with me who hold me accountable and tell me the truth that maybe I might be a little resistant to hearing um but I think for all of us it's lifelong work well I mean how do you do that well I think it's it's going to be different for everybody, but it is like this, you know, you have to establish kind of what do your tools of self-awareness look and feel like. Um, you know, I think for a lot of us, especially on like the beginning parts of our journeys, it looks like or feels like a moment after the fact where you go, ooh, I did that thing, mm-hmm. right? 
ooh, I did that thing. Let me sit with how that kind of makes me feel and the realization that I did that thing. Um, and, and that's going to be your way of sitting with it and, and processing what comes up and, and paying attention to the thoughts and paying attention to the sensations, right? And all the processing. Um, and, and slowly but surely over time, it does become a muscle that you build so that maybe next time, you know, you act out of say like a heightened anxious attachment style. Um, it doesn't take you a week to notice that you did that thing. You know, maybe it takes you an hour to notice that you did that thing. And so it's really just a slow build of you catch it quicker and quicker. doesn't really mean that it ever goes away. It's just that you notice it quicker so that you can sit with it with more compassion. Right. So you're not beating yourself up for being human because we all are, Um, you know, and then also once you've kind of sat with that acceptance, you can then go back to, let's say the person that, you know, maybe you acted out on and you can say, Hey, I realized I did this thing. You know, can we talk about it? Which is kind of like the level two of the work. Cause that's like the, the, the extra credit in going back and saying like, we should talk, we should talk about this. We should address this. I feel like I want to highlight something Vanessa said just to make sure you really heard it because I do hear a lot of that type A, there's a like linear, like pass, fail, do it right, do it wrong right. energy, which is the self-compassion. Like mm-hmm. you get to like, feel like, oh, I did it again a million times and forgive really? yourself. Yeah. Like, I love to say like radical self-forgiveness, radical self-compassion. Mm-hmm. That is how we grow. We actually, it's sort of counterintuitive. Yeah. We think we're going to grow by beating ourselves up and like, you know, slapping ourselves on the hand every time we do the thing again. It's actually the opposite. The more compassion we show ourselves, the more that we give ourselves space and room to fall short and begin again, the quicker we are able to move forward and grow. That will be a change. Well, and think about it like with kids, right? It's the same thing with, you know, being a dad. When you are critical and harsh and shaming, there's no learning in that for children, right? There's just a shrinking. There's like a, I'm not going to learn what I'm supposed to learn. Instead, I'm just going to hide myself or change my behavior to please you. That's what we learn, right? And so, you know, as a dad, like if you can be open and compassionate and allow that child to be seen for exactly who they are and not make them feel bad for being that way, that's where the growth is. That's mm-hmm. where the learning is. That doesn't change just because we're adults. Our brains are still the same in that way. Um, so I would say like, remember that, like being a dad, use those tools for yourself now that your kids are adults. You know, that, that, that you're just reminding me, I mean, there is a silver lining in all this. Like I was trying to find a silver lining. The, the, my, my girls are 32 and 30 now. But so the relationship, I've told them all this stuff, like it's been really open, it's really sweet. And they've given me really good advice. Like one of my daughters told me, you know, from my ex-partner, you know, said she would visit you where you were psychologically, but she can't live there. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. But anyway, my relationship with them is, is now just amazing because I think I'm just show up for them better now mm-hmm. and understand where they're coming from and don't try to just be like a tough dad. Like it's so yeah. Beautiful. That's a good thing. So I kind of practice that there with them. <laughs> that is, that's your practice for sure. It doesn't have to just be in romantic relationships that this shit shows up, right? Like we need to take the opportunity to practice it wherever we can. And what better place actually than continuing to develop a deeper and richer relationship than with your girls. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you brought this to us because I, I will say, I want to, I want to put words to the bravery I think Mm. that it takes, Um, you know, I think especially in this culture where we look at 
um, you know, that, like you said, that latter half of life is somehow like less than, or like you contribute less, right? Like there's all of this shit in our society that comes along with being a certain age. And I think you showing up and putting words to this is actually helping to disprove that really unhealthy narrative. Um, you know, and, and so I just want to make sure that you know that this is going to help somebody for sure. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so I wasn't going to cry. Thanks. <laughs> and that is also going to help somebody. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Ben, will you do us a favor and send us an email and just kind of let us know how it's going and how you're doing? Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll even like have you back on in like six months from now and see. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Where you're we'll at. Do a little follow up. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. I just yeah. want to tell you both that you really need to know you guys the work you do is amazing you don't know how many people you're helping really appreciate you so keep us posted okay and we're gonna have you back okay awesome thank All you right. bye I loved having that conversation with him I think that's such a um I mean certainly in the work that you do around codependency, I feel like so many of the themes that come up constantly around like when I have just spent a lifetime taking care of everyone else's needs, I get to the point where I don't even know how to identify one of my needs if I try, right? Yeah. Who am I? Who am I even? I mean, it's, so I always say that codependency work is as much identity work as anything else. I love that. I don't know if I've heard you say that. Yeah, it is because it's, that's what codependency and codependent behaviors really does is it really just strips us of any kind of understanding or knowledge of who we are at our core. And that means needs, that means wants, that means boundaries, that means, right, like desires, hopes, dreams, all the things. Like, I think so many people who struggle with codependency, just it's so much safer to live in your head and behind the caretaking of somebody else. Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel like what we just heard, you know? And I think we have to hold ourselves with so much compassion as we're attempting to break these patterns because codependency is so ingrained in us so little, you know, mm -hmm. the more that I start to understand about child development, I understand the way that we wire children for codependency, like, oh my gosh, like from like when they first have language, you know, it's like, you're making me feel this, mm. you're doing this. And mm. therefore I, you know, like all of these things that like we understand now are very codependent ways of um, experiencing one another. But, you know, I just say that to say, it's not like I just snap my fingers and all of a sudden I can shut that down as my first response, you know? Yeah. And so I, you know, I tell people all the time, like, as you're doing this work, you're gonna feel awkward and you're gonna feel stupid and you're gonna feel bumbling and all of these things. Um, and you're gonna fall off your bike and you're gonna scrape your knees and you're gonna hit your head. Like that is what it looks like. You know, if we're talking about riding a bike, like that's what riding a bike looks like. But if you think about your body on a bike, the process of falling, it's actually the same thing with little kids learning to walk. The process of falling is actually just as important. Like that is what helps your body learn how to walk or learn how to ride a bike. You have to actually fall to get that imprint, right? Um, for your, a felt sense in your body of knowing how to maintain equilibrium. And so with, with not just codependency, I mean, it's any of this work that we talk about, right? Like that's what you gotta do. Like you gotta skin your knees. Um, mm. But boy, oh boy, does that feel scary. 
Yeah. And I think that so often we're so impatient with ourselves in the process of the skin knees and we want to be there already. We want to know and like how much longer. And I think it's just as, you know, as many times as you fall, you get to forgive yourself. You get to take a deep breath and you get to begin again. And that is how you actually get the thing down. And all of a sudden you're riding the bike, but it doesn't help to like beat myself up as I'm lying on the ground with the skin knee. Yeah. And you know, this idea of like it being a muscle that's atrophied. I mean, I mean, you know, you're a yogi. It's like, how many times have you heard somebody say like, I, I can't go to yoga. I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. Hmm. <laughs> right. And you're like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> Maybe go to yoga. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think that we do this to ourselves sometimes where it's like, I can't do that because I am this way or I am not that way. Hmm. Um, and that's such a logical way of being. It's such a protective mechanism that we do. Yeah. Um, and so just, just noticing, right. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to when that protection comes up and seeing if you can breathe into the space of I'm safe. And if I'm no, if I know that I'm safe, can I do the thing anyway? Um, what will that feel like? What will that look like? Um, just continually coming back to like the proving to the self that you're safe, the proving to the self that you're safe. Um, I think is so much part of that practice. And it's a felt experience. Like I can't logic my way into that. I can't sort of rationalize that I'm safe. I have to feel the feelings of being afraid that I'm not safe and staying with myself and seeing that I'm okay on the other side. Mm -hmm. This is a profound one, guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.